grab your Bible and go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We've been in a series. It's a very short series. Um, We had finished studying Mark a few weeks ago. And then in a few weeks, second week of September, we're going to start a series over the life of David. And so in between these big series, we like to do some smaller ones, a topical one. Um, Typically, we'll stay within the book of a Bible. Uh, But today uh, and for the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about the church. We're in a series called Ecclesia. Last week, we did an overview, uh, and today we're going to talk about some more specifics. So first, John chapter 10. I'm going to read from verses 1 through 12. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but 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 climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, kill, and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then I'm just going to read to you real quick one verse from Acts 20, Acts 20, 28. Paul tells the Ephesian elders, he says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Uh, Every week in this series, we're going to pray for a different church in our community. Um, Last week, we prayed for Grace Church Salado, and this week, I reached out to Landon Hebison and Justin Childress out at Miller Heights in South Belton uh, and asked them how they would like for our church to pray for them as they gather today. Uh, And they said several things. Uh, One of them in particular, Landon, who serves as their youth minister, talked about how their students are returning to school this week um, and how the stress that puts on the family. Uh, and, and the anxiety that that can bring the kiddos in the world that they live in. And so he asked specifically that we pray for their students. And Justin uh, just asked that we would pray that God would give him a shepherding heart. Pray for Miller Heights and their worship gathering today, that God would build up their people um, to be an expression of his love to our community. So let me, let me just real quick pray for uh, Miller Heights. Father, I thank you for... Um, the sheep that you have at Miller Heights. I thank you for the under-shepherds, Justin and Landon. Um, God, I pray that you would build them up and they would find hope and joy and encouragement as they sing and as they hear the word. Um, I pray for the students of Miller Heights, that they would be equipped to know the word of God, that they would believe your word, that they would believe the work that you're doing in their life, and that there would be systems in place within that body to encourage them. I pray for those parents that they would have joy as a parent. They would lead with both authority and care. 
as they talk and help their students and their kiddos just figure out what this world is and who, God, you have made them to be. So, God, we pray and lift up our brothers and sisters at Miller Heights today. May they just have a joyful time in their gathering. And I pray for Justin as he preaches the word. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Today, we are talking about shepherding the church. And we're going to focus on just two ideas this morning. So it's going to be an easy outline to follow. Um, One, that Jesus is the good shepherd of his church. And two, Jesus has tasked under shepherds to do his work among the church. And so just being honest up front here, um, it's a little daunting for me to talk on this topic. Um, I really do thank you that that you would take time to pray for me at the beginning, because anytime a leader talks about what it means to lead, <laughs> um, that's a daunting thing. And this week, as I worked through these texts and just thought about this topic, and I prayed to the Lord, um, there was affirmation in my calling before the Lord and what God has called me to. There was um, I were areas where God showed me areas of growth that I had grown in the last several years as a shepherd and as a leader, um, but. As many of you can expect, when any of you begin to evaluate, there's lots of areas where I grieved as well, where there's obvious needs for growth in my life. And so it's, it's a little daunting to talk about this subject, but it was also just so sweet for my soul to really understand what it means that Jesus is my shepherd. And so two prayer points today. One, that we would, as his church, find peace in the good shepherd. And that we would truly see Jesus as the shepherd of our souls, shepherd of our body, and that we would practice listening to the voice of the good shepherd. And two, that we would understand what it means to have under-shepherds, that we would understand what an under-shepherd is and what an under-shepherd isn't, that we would have clarity on what it means to uh, to have an elder-led church, Uh, and to be led by a flawed human being that points us to the good shepherd. And so first, let's talk about the good shepherd. Last week, we talked about the purpose of the church, that God has set apart a people for himself, that his people belong to him, and they submit to him as both the cornerstone and the head of the body, the church, that we are not the owners of the church. We're not the owners of Renewal Church. This isn't Colton's church. This isn't your church. This is Jesus's church, that he is the owner here. He is the ruler of our body. And we talked about the three ways in which Jesus interacts with the church, that he builds up his church, he builds up our souls, that the church is the body of Christ, and that the church is the bride of Christ. But one thing that I did not mention last week purposely was the reality that Jesus is the shepherd of the church that all throughout the Bible, we are given this imagery, the same imagery over and over again, that repeatedly God will talk about the relationship between God and his people being like that of a shepherd and his sheep. And everyone in Israel during this time, they would have understand what the shepherd was, what a shepherd was, what what a sheep was like, that it was the perfect picture of trust, of protection, of faithfulness, the relationship between a shepherd and his sheep. And Jesus uses that imagery in John 10 to show us the unique relationship he has with his people, with us. 
So look back at John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, Jesus gives two of his seven famous I am statements. He says in verse seven, I am the door of the sheep. And in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. Okay. Now, the idea of a shepherd and a sheep was commonly practiced and understood. And Jesus begins to rephrase how the disciples understand this relationship. Now, we in our Western Christian minds, we sometimes have trouble understanding what a shepherd actually was. We kind of have this dream imagery about a very peaceful place, a very beautiful visual of a shepherd and his sheep. Like if you were to picture it right now, what would it look like? The shepherd and the sheep and the hills. For me, I was trying to picture this this week, and I thought of the Shire. I don't know why, I just... I love Lord of the Rings, and I thought of the Shire, that, that you can picture these sheep just grazing in and out of these hobbit holes, and so I just became curious. This was like midnight, right? I just became curious, and I googled sheep in the Shire, and this is what came up. Oh, it's already up there. You saw it. Um, this is what came up, and I was like, there are actual sheep in the Shire, and then this article came up that said, sheep take over the Shire, and I had to click on it. And so I clicked on it, and I lost about 30 minutes of study time, just fascinated about this story about how sheep had taken over the Shire. If you've never seen Lord of the Rings, shame on you, right? But we are Western Christians, and we can sometimes have this picture of sheep gazing through these beautiful green hills, and it's peaceful, right? We picture a young man. He's in a ragged but somewhat majestic white robe, right? He's got long brown hair, beautiful blue eyes, and he just stares back at his sheep, and he's just smiling, so proud of them. That is a fantasy of a shepherd and his sheep. The more accurate picture would have been much more mundane. It would have been much more um, dirty. (laughs) It would have been complicated. Sheep are high-maintenance they are susceptible to all kinds of diseases. They are, you've, heard, you've probably heard a lot of pastors give this analogy, but they were dumb. They were incredibly dumb, and they were incredibly stubborn. And I don't want to spend 20 minutes talking about sheep, but they were not the perfect picture of an animal companion, okay? They were complicated. They were high maintenance, and they were foolish. And the bond between a sheep and the shepherd was incredibly important for the care, for the protection and for the life of the sheep. Most families uh, would have had a sheep pen right next to or connected to their house, right? So if you can picture that, a sheep pen right next to your house. Um, A lot of times, you would share that pen with neighbors. And so within any sheep pen, you would have a mix of our sheep, their sheep, mix of different sheep that belonged to different people. And so in order to call your sheep from the pen... The sheep had to know the shepherd's voice. So if I'm a shepherd, I walk up to the sheep pen and I begin to call the sheep out. Only specific sheep are going to come out to me. Your sheep would know when the shepherd was calling and they would respond to the shepherd as their leader. This pen, it would typically have a stone wall around it and would have a single gate. The only way to go in and out of that sheep pen was through this one gate and the sheep would have a shepherd. And that shepherd was in charge of caring for the sheep, of protecting the sheep, in charge of counting, keeping count over the sheep. It was common for thieves and robbers 
to try to attempt to steal sheep, but they would always climb over the, ro- the walls because the gate had a gatekeeper, right? And only the shepherd would enter through that gate. So in John 10, Jesus takes this common knowledge and he says, I am the door of the sheep. And he says, all who came before me were thieves and robbers. And that statement in John chapter 10, we don't have time to go into the full context, but that is an indictment on the religious leaders. He says, they are not shepherds. These religious leaders, they are thieves and robbers. Their goal is to distract you from the shepherd. It was to turn the attention of the crowds, of the people away from Jesus and onto themselves. And make no mistake, as we get further and further in this conversation, there are many in this world who claim to be shepherds for us, but they're not. Even some who claim to be Christian, they are not your shepherds. There are so many who aim to lead you astray that they, in reality, they are thieves and they are robbers. But Jesus says about the sheep, they know my voice. They know the voice of the shepherd, that they don't listen to the voices of the thieves and robbers. They don't recognize that voice. They respond to one voice, the voice of the shepherd. He says in verse 3, look at it. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You know, in one hand, Jesus is referring to the disciples right in front of him, but, but in reality, we know that he is talking about us here that the church would come to understand the same truth, that the voice of Jesus calls our names as his sheep. He calls to each of us. He calls us to belong to him as his sheep through the sovereign work of the Spirit that Paul says in Ephesians, you were chosen before the foundation of the world, that he calls your name. And as the door of the sheep, the only way to belong to him is to go through him. And so I wonder if I could just ask a question. I wonder for each one of us, have you heard the voice of the shepherd calling your name? One of the great mysteries of the faith is the way in which God speaks to us. And there's lots of different thoughts on this and lots of uh, philosophies and beliefs. But have you ever, just simplify it, have you ever sat down to read your Bible? Something you've done many times. But you sit down to read God's word and this overwhelming truth just floods over you. And for just a moment, you realize this is undoubtedly God speaking to me through his word. That ever happened to you? Are the great mysteries of preaching, right? Preaching, a biblical idea that goes all the way back into the Old Testament. This mystery of, of, of preaching where you listen to a sermon and there's a moment, right, where it's no longer a talk. It's no, more, no longer a lecture. It's no longer a history lesson. But it's obvious that it is God speaking to you through a proclaimer, a herald proclaiming his word, that as you sit in your heart with your Bible open, as you sit in pain, as you sit in confusion and listen to someone talk about the word of God, that there's this overwhelming truth that God is speaking. The voice of the shepherd is calling where it's no longer, you're not focusing on me anymore. All you can think about is the Holy Spirit and is God speaking. And there's clarity on confusion. There's healing in the hurts as you read his word. And as you listen, you know that that without a shadow of a doubt that the shepherd calls to you. He calls to you and he meets you there. You ever have that happen when you read God's word or you read the Bible? Or you you listen to a sermon 
It's not going to happen every time. Guarantee it. Half of us are usually asleep during this time. But it will happen. Um, you know the best way for your preacher to preach better sermons? Um, the best way for your preacher to preach better sermons is for you to pray for your own ears. I'm not lying. Um, that you would have ears that hear. That you would hear the voice of the shepherd. That it doesn't matter how great the gift that the preacher has. That it can be the most charismatic, smooth, cool preacher in the world. And the words can mean sh- nothing. Because it's not spirit led. What matters is not my voice. What matters is the voice of the shepherd. It doesn't matter how much the gift. They have no power without the words without the spirit of God. Paul said, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the spirit's power. I guarantee my preaching will get better if you ask God to give you ears to hear, that you would focus less on me and more for him. That doesn't mean that I shouldn't study and try to be the best that I can, but don't just listen for theology. Don't just listen for an argument or to see if what you believe is true. Listen to the calling of the shepherd's voice. Same thing when you come to his word. Listen for the voice of the shepherd. There's an old hymn that the church I went to when I first became a Christian used to sing. And when it, they started playing it, I would roll my eyes like, oh, this hymn again. Um, but as I've gotten older and there's been a little bit more suffering, I've come to understand it a little bit better. Uh, the hymn was called Softly and Tenderly, Jesus is Calling. And I realized if I am to believe what the scripture says, that I am to believe he is calling my name that he calls to me as his sheep. And I recognize his voice. Uh, the first stanza of the hymn, it says, and I think I've got it up here, softly and tenderly Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Y'all know this hymn? Let's sing it. Come home, come home, you who are weary, come home, earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. Do you ever hear him call to you? Like, can you picture the shepherd with his sheep? Come back. Come to me. You who are weary, come to me. Don't go that way. There's danger over there. Come to me, I'll protect you. Come to me, I'll give you rest. Do you ever hear him call you through his word, through his people? Scripture says he calls to us by name, and we as the sheep hear his voice. And every day he calls to you, and he leads you. And this shepherd, he knows you. He knows what you need. He knows how to protect you. He knows how to guide you. He knows the pain that you feel. And you as the sheep, you know his voice. He, he's the door of the sheep. Don't miss the metaphor, okay? The, the place where the sheep are held is a safe 
place. And the only way to get inside is through one door. There are no other entrances. And Jesus is the door of the sheep. He says in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and find pasture. This whole section in John 10 is filled with Old Testament prophetic language. Um, Ezekiel 34, one of the most well-known texts in the Old Testament. God rebukes the leaders of Israel, and he promises that he's going to remove them and put a true shepherd in their place. Ezekiel 34, verse 2, he says, Son of man, and this, you want to talk about bad shepherds? Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Shepherds are meant to feed the sheep. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the stray you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought. And with force and and harshness you have ruled them, so they were scattered, because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. You go down to verse 11, Ezekiel 34. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. That he says, I will remove your current shepherds and I will put in their place one shepherd. That the church, the people of God, we have one shepherd, Jesus himself. He is our shepherd, and this shepherd, as John Sin says, that he laid down his life for his church, for his sheep. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That he submitted his life to the cross, and the Father laid on him the sin of his sheep, and he took it. And he took it so that we could hear his voice. No preacher, no podcast, no news channel, no friend will ever be able to replace the voice of the shepherd in your life. Even your own voice will not be able to replace the voice of the shepherd. No under-shepherd can replace the voice of the shepherd. Myself, Rich, Tristan, Matt, your elders here, we will never replace the voice of your shepherd. We can't. We are unable to do that. But the good shepherd, he truly knows you. He died so that you could hear him. He knows all of you. Every secret that you keep, every shame that you feel, every pride that you hold, he knows it all. You know, I think um, many people, not everyone, but I think many people see Jesus either in two extremes or we lean one way or the other, okay? Um, Either he loves us no matter what or he judges us no matter what. We either believe in these two extremes or we have one leaning. Um, But the more accurate picture of Jesus that we see as the shepherd is that he's the perfect manifestation of authority and care. And it's important that we understand both those those things. But so many times we have a view that he's one or the other, that his shepherding over my life is that of authority, right? You know that you have to worship him and you know that you have to ask for 
forgiveness. Because if you don't, he's going to be disappointed in you, and you will be met with discipline and judgment. He is a great and mighty judge, right? For others, he's simply the God who cares about you. Jesus loves me, this I know, right? He would never dare to discipline you or hold you in judgment. He loves you. Why would he be that mean to you? He is a God of compassion and love. And yeah, you mess up every now and then, but it's no big deal because Jesus died for you. The good shepherd is both. He is both the perfect picture of authority and he's the perfect picture of care. He does rule over you. He has authority over you, but he comes to you in compassion and gentleness. He does not simply excuse your sin because he loves you, but he calls you to repentance because he knows that in that place there will be joy. There will be hope. You will find your design. So don't miss the leading of the good shepherd. The question is, do you love him? Oh. Actually, one of my favorite verses in this section is John 10, 14. I didn't read it for you, so go ahead and and look at it. Uh, John 10, 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. Listen to this. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Do Do you see what Jesus said? It's kind of wordy, so it's kind of hard to understand at first. So he says that he knows you, and you know him just like the Father knows him, and he knows the Father. Think about the implications of that, okay? And by the way, this is why it's important to understand the doctrine of the Trinity. Most of the time when we talk about the doctrine of the Trinity, we're just trying really hard not to be heretics, just being honest. Like, you know, the, the, Holy, the Trinity is like an egg. The Trinity is like a three They're all heresies, Okay. There's no really good way to talk about the Trinity. He's three in one and he's one in three, okay? Um, But you think about what Jesus just said. Within the Trinity, there is nothing that is hidden. There is perfect intimacy. There is beauty and there is faithfulness. If you don't know how the Father and Son relate to each other, you will never know the depth to which your own, uh, of your own relationship with Jesus. That's, That's what he's saying here. That the Father is one with Jesus. He knows him and he understands him. And the Son is one with the Father. He hears the Father. He obeys the Father. He enjoys being around the Father. He delights in the Father. That there's a perfect unity with the Father and the Son. There's no misunderstandings. There's no lies. There's complete trust. They truly know each other. So, in the same way the Father knows the Son, so the shepherd knows his sheep. The son known, knows and is known by the Father in the same way we are truly known and we know the shepherd. I just wonder, man, do you really want that kind of familiarity with your shepherd? That kind of intimacy to be truly known like that? You ever tried to explain how hard life is and, and you just either you can't, You can't find the words or you feel like you don't want to burden someone. You ever felt like that? Your shepherd will always understand and he will never be burdened. He knows you and he cares for you. I saw a t-shirt one time that said, Jesus loves you, but he loves everybody. I laughed. Um, But I think that's how we think about the love of God sometimes. Yeah, he loves me, but in reality he has to because he loves everybody. So 
yeah, I mean, in one sense, Jesus does love everyone. There is a love from God for all that he has created. But there is a uniqueness in the way in which he loves his sheep. It's very similar to, um, you know, like, how many of you love all the kids in this church? It's good. You should not hate the kids in this church. Um, you're, everyone here is required to serve in the children's ministry if you're a member. And so, yeah, we should love each other's kids. But is there a difference between how you love everyone else's kids and how you love your kids? Okay. For most of us, yeah, there is a difference. His love for you is unique. He knows you and he loves you and his love for you is unique and is int- intimate. Jesus is the good shepherd of his church. Now, within his church, he is also called under shepherds to be an example, not a replacement, but to be an example to the good shepherd. And this is the more difficult part of the sermon because the first half, Jesus being the the good shepherd over the church, no one's going to disagree with that, right? We're all going to agree uh, with that truth. I, I don't see any reason why anyone would disagree, but We see throughout the New Testament that God has placed what is called elders um, over his church. Now, this can, uh, you see this in the Bible as overseers, as elders, um, and we call them pastors many times, which is the Latin word for shepherd. These words are used interchangeably throughout the Bible. So let me very quickly just ask the question what is the role of an under shepherd? And so if you don't know, we have four elders, overseers, shepherds here. Uh, at Renewal. Myself, Rich Diaz up there, Tristan over here, and Matt Oberhelman over there. Um, So what is our role as under-shepherds of the church? Let me read to you Ephesians 4, 11. It says, he gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So God has given the church shepherds and teachers, which most believe That's Paul repeating the same thing twice. But God has given his church shepherds, one to equip, that as you seek Christ in this world, in the midst of the confusion of life, in the midst of temptations that you face, the competing voices that you hear throughout your days, that your shepherds have been appointed to equip you to know his word, to come alongside you, to pray and ask God to give clarity, to make sense of the confusion, to pray for you as you fight temptations, and encourage you to find your satisfaction in Christ, that you would look to Christ. And the second thing that the shepherds do is they are given to build up the body. That our role is not to build up our own names. Our role is not even to build up the brand name of the church. It's to build up the shepherd. It's to lift up the name of Jesus among the body and point your eyes to gaze at him. So shepherds are to equip and to build up. But I think something that's worth mentioning, when we talk about shepherd leaders in the church, and it's something that can be easily forgotten, both by the shepherd leader and the people that they're leading. And and I don't want this to sound, (laughs) an elder, a shepherd, an overseer, it's important to remember that they are sheep just like you. I'm a sheep. Tristan's a sheep, Rich is a sheep, Matt is a sheep. They get lost. They have pain. They sin. 
there should never be an expectation that an under-shepherd be the good shepherd. We have struggles just like you. We have marriages that God is constantly working on. Our minds are sometimes filled with doubt and fear, sometimes filled with anxiety. And too many churches try to make their under-shepherd the good shepherd. It's an impossible expectation to be put on that pastor. If that's the expectation that a, a, group, a sheep, a flock, would have for that under-shepherd, there will always be disappointment. It's a dangerous thing when an under-shepherd begins to believe that they are the good shepherd. They actually begin to think that. One of two things will happen. They will either become terrifyingly arrogant and self-centered are terrifyingly exhausted and filled with despair. And I can imagine that there are some in this room who have been hurt because an under-shepherd attempted to be the good shepherd. A good shepherd does not attempt to heal you of all your pain. They lead you to the one who can heal you of your pain. A good under-shepherd does not position themselves as the source of all knowledge. They lead you to the one who has all knowledge. And so I pray that when I say this, God would give you ears to hear it. That if you've been hurt by a church leader, an elder, a pastor, if you have pain that stems from something that they have done, could be someone from this church, another church, could even be me. I want you to hear this. The actions of that under-shepherd is not a reflection of the good shepherd. There is no flaw in our good shepherd. Under shepherds do have flaws. And I'm not excusing or minimizing what that leader did. Scripture says that an under shepherd will give an account before God. I mean, Hebrews 13, 17, one of the, for me as a leader, one of the most terrifying passages. Open, open your, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So don't let the mistakes of an under-shepherd rob you of the joy of truly knowing the good shepherd. He calls you to find healing in his presence. And, in, and as his sheep, we are welcomed into his protection. So let me simplify this by just saying this one thing. What is the primary role of shepherds here at Renewal Church? I think if I could sum it all up, the calling by God is to lead the people of God to see the good shepherd. It's to put the spotlight on him, that it is the name of Jesus that is lifted up. I mean, we saw in Ezekiel 34 examples of what a bad shepherd is. They would never heal the sick. They would never bind up the injured. They would never bring back the strays. They would rule harshly. They would never warn you of danger. They would care for themselves at the expense of the flock. But to be an under-shepherd is to point the people of God to the good shepherd. Um, that text in Acts where Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders, he says this, he tells these leaders, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So if I could um, speak to our elders for a second, and honestly, to any future elders um, that God may raise up here. In fact, let's do this. Um, if you're a current elder here, so Tristan, Matt, Rich, 
I'm going to have you go ahead and stand up where you are, if you would. And you're nicely spread out so everybody can see you. Uh, for everyone else in a minute, I'm going to ask you to actually clo- bow your heads and um, close your eyes. Not yet, but just in a minute. Um, because I believe that there is another group here, a group of men that God is raising up, maybe for a year from now, maybe 10 years from now. Um, that you may sense even right now that God is, is raising you up and calling you to shepherd God's people. And if that's you, um, I want to invite you in a minute when I give a charge to these men that you would just open up your palms just right where you are and that you would ask God for clarity. God, have you called me to shepherd? Have you called me to lead your people? And so for our current elders, um, my prayer is that we would hear the words of God. So for everyone else, go ahead and, and bow your head um, if, if you want to ask God, if you're a man here, and ask God, if, is there a place in the future, God, where you would have me shepherd? I want to invite you to just open your palms. But for everyone else, just pray. And it's good for you to hear this, to hear what our role is here. So for our current elders, may we heed the words of Paul. First, that we would pay careful attention to ourselves. Where are we, as a group and as individuals, vulnerable? Where is the enemy attacking us? Are we thinking too much of ourselves, or are we thinking too little of ourselves? Uh, Do we have sin that we hide from our spouses, from each other, from the flock? Um, If so, May we repent that we pay careful attention to where our hearts are wandering. And we repent and ask God for grace. Second, that we would pay careful attention to the flock. I mean, look around at the people in the room. Do we see them? Do we see who's not here? Who are the strays that God would have us pursue? that we would have watchful eyes for the people of God. But we would also watch for the wolves. Who are what threatens this flock? Third, I pray that we, as four, would truly believe that it is the Holy Spirit that has called us to lead. The role of an under-shepherd is not a role created by men. It is created and is appointed by God. Paul says the Holy Spirit put us in this role. Fourth, that we would care for the church of God. That we would weep with those who weep. We would rejoice with those who rejoice. That we would care for the people of God like Jesus has cared for us. And lastly, may we never forget, this is not our flock. We are not the good shepherd. This is not our church. Jesus has bought these people, and us, with his own blood. They belong to him, not us. Gracious Father, thank you for this time together from the the answered prayer for Colton to receive your words and bless us with them. We're thankful. We're thankful for these men and their families that have chosen to take a leadership role and be the best men, the best shepherds they can be, to 
we ask you to help us be better sheep. Help us to see the needs and act accordingly. And we're grateful to be here. This Renewal family is a true family. And we, we ask you to continue to bless our efforts. Bless Colton and Katie, Matt and his family, Rich and his family, and Tristan and his family, and guard them. Protect them and let them be the wonderful reflection of you that they are. We hold these things up in your son Yeshua's name, name above all names, and ask for your blessing. Amen.